and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Frame, and today is Thursday, May 6th, 2021. So there's this saying that goes along the lines, and you've heard it, uh, you are what you spend all your money or time on. Uh, this is this is used as a budgeting tool when, you know, asked, okay, well, let's see if we can get your budget into effect. What What are you? really? What do you spend all your time and money doing? Um, so if you spend all your time, your free time, playing video games, you are a gamer. You're a video gamer. That's what you do. <clears throat> if you spend your free time, all of your free time with your family, then you're, you know, that that's what you do. And if you spend all your money on drugs, alcohol, or, or your sin of choice, that's essentially what you have decided to prioritize. And we're not talking about the, the basic stuff, you know, uh, mortgage, electric payment, things like that. I mean, you have to pay those things, but we're talking your discretionary funds. Same thing with your time. We're not talking about the time you spend at work, unless you spend an incredible amount of time at work to the point where it eats up all your recreational time, then you could say you are your work. <clears throat> So this is used to describe people. I think it's used to describe governments and what we prioritize. And the United States government overall prioritizes its military. The military is the single largest expenditure that we have. So for me, I always look at that and I'm like, eh, I guess it kind of says we're a military country. Even though, you know, that may be where our money goes, but where does our time go? You know, what do we spend our time actually doing? And while we do spend a lot of our time actually making war with someone, you know, th there's a lot more to us. You know, we spend actually a lot of time on human rights. It may not seem it, but we do actually spend quite a bit of time on that politically. The reason I bring this up is that on Tuesday morning, our new Attorney General Merrick Garland went before Congress, uh, and it was a regular, boring uh, budget thing. He went before Congress to let them know what he thinks the budget for the Department of Justice should be this year, and it was very interesting. <clears throat> his top three agenda items, his top three things that, you know, he didn't just say he wanted to focus on, but he actually asked Congress for more money. Again, what do you spend your money on? Well, he said he wants to spend his time on these three things, and he said, I'm not even going to spend the money I already have. I want more money to do these things. So if you were interested in what this attorney general is going to be focusing on in the near future, we know. We now have a valid thing. Now, whether or not Congress gives them the money is another question. We'll get to that later. But the first part I wanted to focus on, his top three agenda items that he says he wants more money on is, one, domestic terrorism, which is very unique. Um, <clears throat> even under Barack Obama's presidency, that was something that we did not want to acknowledge existed. Um, it, it was a political third rail. Nobody wanted to touch it because... Domestic terrorism in this country takes on many forms. It's not as overt as it was during the 60s when there was KKK bombing people. Okay, it's it's not that overt. 
these days it's more you know online spreading falsehoods you you are attempting to do damage to the democracy uh to the electorate but it's not out in the open it's it's subversive it's very quiet so domestic terrorism is an extremely loaded term uh of course they put a face on it because just four months ago today uh this domestic terrorism took on the form of storming the capital with the intent to commit murder okay they went in looking for specific individuals in congress and the vice president to kill i mean a mob can't get any more mob-like when they're chanting hang mike pence hang mike pence their intent was very clear uh i don't i don't see how anybody could see otherwise <clears throat> so you know you hear domestic terrorism you're thinking great somebody's finally going after these loons and it is significant here in the united states that the attorney general himself okay this isn't one of his deputies this isn't uh some side panel the house is conducting on something where they ask expert witnesses this is the attorney general himself saying domestic terrorism is going to be number one on my agenda and i want more funding to deal with it that's significant. Uh, it's also significant because this is not a hearing to determine whether or not Merrick Garland will be attorney general. He is the attorney general. He has been confirmed. So there's no more of this, oh, I have to be careful what I say, or I'm going to turn off X senator from X state who has this as his big agenda item. You know, it, there's none of that anymore. He doesn't have to worry about it. He could come out now and say, I'm going after all the white supremacists congratulations. And he doesn't have to cloak it. He doesn't have to hide behind it. He doesn't have to, you know, parse, you know, nobody has to parse his words and figure out what he really means. He says it's very clear domestic terrorism and I want more money, which is fantastic as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> uh, the second thing that I thought was huge and actually his largest budget increase was he says there is an office of violence against women within the Department of Justice. He wants to focus on that. And he has asked for the largest amount of money budget increase to that department, to that office. He has asked for $1 billion even just to the Violence Against Women's Office, which is, again, fantastic. Uh, first off, I didn't even know the Violence Against Women had its own office within the Department of Justice. Um, of course, once you mention it, it does make sense that this would be something the United States government would uh, take seriously, uh, given that it is a very, very serious problem that gets underreported and underprosecuted. So it's fantastic to hear the attorney general not only mention it, but say he wants all the money for that office. Um, now, we don't know if the $1 billion is to cover some kind of scope that he wants to enlarge, or if more likely this office has been you know, kind of shoved to the side. It's it's not important. And he is correcting, you know, you know, that one billion dollars may seem like a lot because it's the largest he's asking for out of all these other, you know, agenda items. However, he could be asking for a billion dollars here just to bring it up on par with, say, other offices. Um, because this is the kind of office where depending on who's in charge, they might say, oh, well, um, we really wanted to go after the terrorists. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, your local government deciding, do we want roads or do we want schools this year? And of course, they always pick roads and schools always go out. 
Um, and that's kind of what this could be. This could be him asking for a billion dollars because the office has just been neglected for so long uh, that he wants to correct it. And that's also fantastic, If even if that is it. Even if he's looking at this and this billion dollars is literally the bare minimum he could do, it's still fantastic to hear the attorney general himself say, this is what we're going to focus on and this is what I want money for. So um, that is awesome and it's, it's, a, it's a positive thing. <clears throat> and the third thing that he brings up, which is uh, the biggest sticking point with the right supremacy, is civil rights. He says he wants to focus on civil rights across the country. He wants to empower U.S. attorneys in every state to go after civil rights violations. And he wants an increase in budget to do so. And that is also a big thing. Now, you might be thinking, well, Kyle, civil rights is one of those things the United States is known for. Like, aren't the U.S. attorneys always going after civil rights violations? Eh, kinda. Kinda. Um, so if you want a interesting television show to see what the internal workings of a U.S. attorney is, a state U.S. attorney, these are appointed by the president to a specific state. Uh, there have been controversies before where the president fires them. Uh, most recently, Trump uh, tried to fire the ones in New York State because they were investigating his finances, or at least that's the allegation. Um, there was also a huge uh, controversy way back when during the George W. days, where in the middle of his term, after all these people that he had appointed were already in office doing their thing, he fired like half of them, just out of nowhere. And yes, they do serve at the pleasure of the president. Uh, they do serve at the pleasure of the, sorry, they're children. <laughs> they do serve at the pleasure of the president. So yes, he can fire them. And, and firings happen all the time for various reasons, but to have such a large number of them all fired at once, it definitely caused a problem. It was one of the defining moments in my political awakening as a young man, because back then, and this is the reason I even remember this story, uh, I used to, uh, I, I used to be in the Navy, and when you're in the military, you're kind of in a political bubble. Uh, politics, eh, really, nobody gets into it very heavily. Uh, there's a huge age range in the military. You know, you could be talking to somebody as old as your dad. Uh, you could be talking to somebody younger than you. It's it's very strange, and because everyone's from a different part of the country, you get this very very huge kind of soup. And then because you're in the military, everything's always glossed over with this weird kind of uh, what I would consider now a faux patriotism. <clears throat> but because it's so weird and strange, we all just kind of uh, bat around the edges with it. We don't really get a deep dive into it. So when I got out of the military, I realized that this was a shortcoming of my own because I do very much want to know what the heck is going on. And I didn't really know what I was into. I, I originally registered as a Republican because I was a nerd. <laughs> I went on to the Republican Party's platform way back when, when I turned 18, and I read what they say they stood for and the things in that party platform, and I said, yes, that aligns with me, so I registered as a Republican. And of course, Republican history is fantastic. You've got Abraham Lincoln, you've got Teddy Roosevelt, you've got Dwight Eisenhower. I mean, hell, even Nixon had his positives. Uh, up until Reagan, Reagan was the, the first Republican president where, you know, especially within my own lifetime, I was like, wow, this guy's off the rails crazy. But the history of the party was there. And I was like, yes, this is something I could totally get behind. 
Anyway, <laughs> the reason this story stuck out is after I get out of the Navy, I don't really know what I'm doing. So I took to listening to political radio. And up here in the Pacific Northwest, we had two channels at the time. One was extremely right. They had Rush Limbaugh and all those. And one was extremely left. Uh, one of the more prominents were Ed Schultz and Tom Hartman. So uh, they put Tom Hartman up against Rush Limbaugh. And what I would do is that every commercial break, I would change channels. So I would hear from one, one, one period and one the other. And every commercial break, I'd swap back and forth. And when this story broke about all these attorney generals, attorneys general, excuse me, I know it's weird, uh, you know, being fired, I thought it was a little strange. And I heard it, of course, on the left wing channel from Tom Hartman and him explaining how unprecedented this is and how very odd it is that, you know, why would the Bush administration fire someone in the middle of their term? Why so many all at once? It just seemed fishy. They should maybe do an investigation. You know, this is what something like the House Oversight Committee would do is they should they should have a, a thing and be like, hey, man, what's up? You know, maybe there's a perfectly reasonable explanation, but nobody was giving it to us at the time. So I was frothing at the mouth. I'm like, wow, this is a big story. This is a big deal. I wonder what Limbaugh and the people on the right have to hear, have to talk about it. And they didn't say anything. I recall distinctly their very next segment was about condoms in high schools. And they, they didn't even mention it. And at first I thought, well, you know, okay, maybe they want to, you know, circle the wagons, do a little focus group thing, figure out what the right thing is to say. So I stayed on that channel past the commercial break. And they still didn't say anything. The whole day that it came up, they didn't say anything. It's like it didn't happen. And that was the first moment when I realized that the right could do this. Because the left, even during the Obama years, if there was a controversy, if there was something weird going on, you'd hear about it. You'd hear the instant reactions. And sure, the people on the left did hedge their bets and be like, well, you know, I still want to hear what the president has to say. And, you know, they did spin it, but at least they talked about it. The right, anytime there was something uncomfortable, they just, it just went away. And they're still doing that. But that's why that story sticks in my head. But anyway, if you want to find out what these U.S. attorneys are all about, there is an interesting show on Showtime, if you get that, uh, called Billions. And in this one, it's uh, Paul Giamatti's character plays uh, a U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, which is a big one. Uh, New York gets more than just one U.S. attorney. Um, and in that one, he specifically doesn't go after civil rights so much. He goes after financial crimes, which is a big one of the Southern District of New York. That's kind of what they do. They're around Wall Street a lot. They want to make sure everybody's, you know, playing the right game. Um, but if you're interested in that kind of thing, you know, go for it. That show is crazy first off. Um, and it's definitely gotten weird in the last few years, but, uh, that first season, uh, is an, is a very interesting look at how that kind of works. I wish there were more shows like it. It's like, it's, it's strange that you have to point to television shows or movies to let people know how things work. Like if you ever wanted to know 
what a, you know, if somebody asked me, Kyle, what does a, a White House chief of staff do? I'm just like, just watch the West Wing. <laughs> Seriously, you'll see everything that the White House chief of staff does. Uh, and you'll totally know, you know, what that person does and what their job is by the end of it. It's a, uh, it's fantastic, but strange. Anyway, <clears throat> U.S. attorneys going after civil rights is, of course, a big thing. The reason this is a sticking point, and you would think, Kyle, why isn't this a, you know, tentpole in every, you know, attorney general's, like, thing? Why isn't this their thing? Civil rights can really only truly be trampled on by the state. Okay, civil rights is, you know, your right to due process, uh, your Miranda rights, your, you know, rights to face your accusers, your rights to a jury, your rights to a trial, your rights to a lawyer, um, your rights to be defended against cruel and unusual punishment, uh, freedom of speech. Um, and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the way the United States Constitution works, you know, your civil rights are really only violated when it's the state doing it. Okay. If you go out on the street and you have the free speech, you can say whatever the heck you want. If some random passerby comes by, doesn't like what you say and punches you, they're not violating your civil rights. However, if a police officer comes by, here's what you have to say, and then arrests you for it, that could be, depending on what you're saying, a violation of your civil rights. And that is exactly the problem. The people on the right love the thin blue line very much, and they're very much pro-police, and they are very scared, and they're not you know, shy about saying it, that they think this is a huge deal that the attorney general is going to go after police. And for me, who reads all these stories and sees all these videos of the police basically acting with impunity, I'm sitting here like, yeah, that's the point. Somebody needs to go after these bastards. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm the guy who gets in trouble because I will, I will say, look, I don't think every cop is a killer. But I do think every cop knows one and they're keeping their mouth shut. So I don't care. Um, I, I really don't. Um, I think the civil rights is a huge issue. I think the attorney general going up against police is a fantastic thing that they should definitely do. Um, and he said this is going to be a major thing that he wants, and he wants more funding for it. So it will be very interesting to see the political fight over this because, Obviously, the right supremacy does not want police being prosecuted because if police are prosecuted for violating your civil rights, they might just let you vote. Damn it. That's a bad thing, according to them. So it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. <clears throat> um, and I just thought it was a, it's a fantastic story that gets a lot of news in the moment. You know, uh, a lot of the news sites and everybody talked about it when it happened. But five minutes after it happened, something else happened. And then all of a sudden, it's not a big deal because, after all, it is just the attorney general talking to a few members of Congress about budget. And that is never a big story. And I think it should be. I think this is exactly the kind of thing that you want to see and hear from your, uh, you know, your government. 
what are you going to spend your time on? But more importantly, what are you asking for money for? Because that's really what you're going after. Um, so these are all good things. Domestic terrorism, violence against women, civil rights, abuses. Uh, yes, go after the cops, please. If the cops aren't violating your civil rights, then they have nothing to worry about, right? Exactly. You know, what are you afraid of? Uh, two other small stories I'll get to. Well, one's a big story. One's a tiny story. I saw this awesome thing. Uh, for briefly, uh, Texit was trending um, on Twitter, and I just love that idea. T-E-X-I-T. Of course, making fun of Brexit. Um, yeah, so Texas's governor is this guy named Abbott, and he is very, very right-leaning, and he loves Trump, but apparently he loves Trump not enough. So the Republican Party is eating its own in the great state of Texas. And there is actually talk of impeaching their Republican governor because he's not that awesome. But also, uh, Texas talking about this, this crazy Texas idea that they can just break away from the union and be okay with it. And I'm sitting here like, you know, if I'm President Biden, I'd let it happen. So it's not serious. It's nothing major. But I, but I just started playing out this game in my head of what would happen if Texas secedes. And if I'm a Democratic president, especially if I'm Biden, I'm sitting here like, OK, Texas wants to secede. OK, I'd let them. I would. And I would go in front of the American people and tell them, hey, and instead of removing a single star from the flag, we're going to make Puerto Rico a state. So we can still have 50 states. We'll still have the same number of senators. But Texas, yes, you can go right ahead and be your own government. And I would pull Border Patrol, DEA. All federal support would immediately cease going to Texas. And then, just to be a complete dick, because I am a very vindictive individual when it comes to things like this, I would change the border wall. I would complete Trump's wall. I would say yes we are going to finish the wall and I would immediately start building it across all of Texas's border. And I would go to the roads and I would put border patrol would move outside of Texas and I would basically landlock them. And I would say, you're not getting any imports from California, none from China that have to go into a Californian port and then be driven to you. No, no, no. That's now against the law. I'm not doing that. You are getting nothing through the land. Everything has to come through your ocean, which yes, they do have, but it means that all their goods are now going to either have to come from different places or cost significantly more in shipping. I mean, I would bleed them dry. I mean, let's not forget, a month ago, there were photos on the internet of Texas freezing. Texas froze over completely. Power grids completely and totally failed. And in reaction to that, there are actually people thinking, you know, what we need now is less federal government interference. And my head explodes. And I love it. I'm here for it. Please, Texas, secede. First off, it's a win-win no matter what. Either Biden gets to go in and blow the living crap out of that state and bring it back into the union, which... Mwah, chef's kiss, I would love. Or option two, he lets them go, in which case no Republican would ever win the White House again. The electoral map would be shifted entirely away from them. 
I mean, think about it. If we never had to worry about Texas, uh, you know, political affairs ever again, ha, huh, you know, the Republicans could just go suck it for the longest time. I mean, in, even if we didn't replace the 50th state with Puerto Rico or Washington, D.C., okay, we go down to 98 seven senators, which immediately makes the Democrats have a 50 to 48 edge. We no longer have to care or worry about idiots like Ted Cruz. Oh my God, Ted Cruz could go be president of Texas and we would never have to worry about him again. We could just point and laugh at Texas. I mean, seriously, I think it's a win-win. Texas, please do it. For the good of the union, I think, yes, you should secede. And I think Biden should let them do it. Just, just for kicks, just for shits and grins. And make their life a living hell. Like I said, landlock them, don't allow any trade. Basically do a non-military version of a blockade across them all. Watch them starve. Watch that state crumble. It will be a failed state. And I know a lot of people are like, Kyle, but you don't want a failed state on your borders. And I'm sitting here with a little bit of schadenfreude going, no, no, I really do. I would love to see Texas and every single Republican be hoisted up by their own petard and, and you know, burned alive by the people who are like, you morons, what is wrong with you? So seriously, this is something I want to see. Uh, it's it's completely, yeah, it's totally shut in for, I, I just, I don't care if it's failed state on our border. I want to see it. And I think a lot of people on the left want to see it too. Uh, I would just love seeing it. It would be, it, it would be as if, like, if Trump were a state, Texas would be it. If Texas secedes, that's exactly what would happen. Um, it would be a glorious blazing dumpster fire on our southern border, and I'm here for it. I say we all get marshmallows, and we all go out there, and we all roast them over the burning ashes of the state of Texas. I, I would love that. And as a side note... Dallas Cowboys no longer are America's team. This is fantastic. We could all look at Dallas Cowboys nation and we could say goodbye. In fact, in fact, if I'm Biden, I would immediately press that all Texas teams be thrown out of the NFL. So it, it would be great. It would be fantastic. Oh, Jerry Jones would have to sit there and say, it's no longer America's team. <laughs> And lose all those billions. Oh, poor. So sad. So sad. Yes, please. Let Texas secede. I want to see that implosion. Uh, there's another weird story going on. I'll just I'll just mention it before we go. I'll probably bring it up tomorrow uh, because it's developing news right now. Uh, Dick Cheney's daughter, Liz Cheney, who is a horrible human being. I just want to preface it with that. Is about to be kicked out of the Republican Party because she actually believes that Biden won the election. And I just think that's hilarious. We'll touch on that probably a little more in a later one. My kids are going crazy. So I have to cut it short today, uh, which is probably good for you guys. You guys get tired of hearing about me. Anyway, uh, we'll see you next time. You guys have fun. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review. The reason I say that is because all these internet websites have algorithms. And if you don't like subscribe, review and all that stuff, uh, the podcast doesn't grow. Okay. The audience is just an audience of like the four or five of you guys out there, which is fantastic. And I love you, but you know, we, we'd like more people to listen. So anyway, like subscribe. We have an email, we have a Twitter, we have a Facebook, like us there, communicate. I will answer all emails and messages you guys send me if you guys send them to me. Uh, so yeah, anyway, we'll see you next time. Enjoy.